Hey, everybody, and welcome back to Gear 30 on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, today we've got another Shop Talk episode for you where we talk with folks from one of our Blister-recommended shops to get their perspective on a mix of topics ranging from broadly applicable to all of us to topics that help us better understand what's going on in the local community that each shop serves. And today we are talking with Mark and Jeff from Gear West in Long Lake, Minnesota. Now, as you are about to see, Gear West is a remarkable shop in a number of different ways, and I had a great time talking with Mark and Jeff about the Minnesota ski scene, the Gear West campus, yes, campus. Uh, We even ended up talking about dropping cliffs in the Iowa backcountry, which is now high on my list of places to ski, which is simply never something I ever thought I would say but it's true. I also talked to Mark and Jeff about the fantastic and growing bike culture surrounding Minnesota and more. And so let's go ahead and get to my conversation with Mark and Jeff. Okay, well, I am here with Jeff and Mark. Jeff, why don't you go ahead and kind of get us started? Tell us a little bit about who you are. I am from Midwest, True, but I lived out west for a while. I lived out in Utah for almost 20 years and worked in shops, was kind of am pro snowboarder and rode the bird, rode Brighton all the time, hiked a lot of backcountry, that kind of stuff. And then moved back to the Midwest uh, to raise my daughter, just trying to get back to roots, get closer to family, that kind of thing. Uh, and ended up uh, in the shop working uh just because I was in another shop and wasn't stoked on it. And I uh, sent an email to our owner, Jan, and uh, she called me in, and I came in just to help uh, build the web and ended up running the shop within two weeks. And that was five and a half years ago. That's a pretty good career trajectory. Two weeks it took you. Yeah, it did. <laughs> and it was just one of those weird things. Like I ran shops out west, and they just needed somebody just to jump in that could handle it. Yeah. And that wasn't even my goal. <laughs> Just happened. Okay. So do you have an official title these days at Gear West? General Manager Alpine Store. Okay. So uh, snowboard, downhill ski. Mark, tell yeah. us a little bit about you. So Jonathan, I'm going to date myself. So I started, I started in the industry in 1969 when I was in high school. So, and I worked in several local ski shops uh, in the Minneapolis area. I ended up working three or four years with Olin Ski Company, right? And uh, uh, with that marvelous Olin T1 ski boot that we had. And, uh, and then I, I ended up working with uh, Vocal as a Midwest rep on both sides of the lake for about four or five years back uh, when the P9 Slalom and RS and the Ren Tiger were in their heydays. So I traveled a lot, you know, all over the Western states. Uh, I ended up getting married and the hammer came down. I, I didn't mean it that way. but uh, <laughs> what, so, what way did you mean it, Mark? Well, you know what? It's like we're having a child and you need to get a real job. 
<laughs> kind of was how it went, right? So then I ended up working in IT infrastructure for 17 years. And then about five years ago, I came back in here and ended up with uh, managing and doing the master boot fit thing in, uh, in our shop. And uh, we've been kind of cranking like crazy the last three, four years in a row. So it's been really good, Jonathan. Tell us a little bit about your location and just sort of the surrounding community before we get into more specifics about Gear West itself. Uh, well, we are uh, a little town called Long Lake, but basically it's a little west of Wyzetta, which is a suburb of Minneapolis. So I would say we're probably from downtown Minneapolis west, we're 20 minutes, a half hour from downtown to our store. So it's a great area. We have wonderful clientele. We have great clientele. 80% of our clientele probably don't even ski here. Most of them ski out west the majority of the time. They own homes out west, condos out west, and they get their skis here and they get their custom boot fitting here. And we load them up and send them out and it's, and it's worked really well. So we've, we've got a nice big mountain clientele with, with our western customers and we're doing very well with our local high school race teams. Yeah. Hmm. You know, uh, we have we have actually a coach that works with us in the uh, on the race side of the business. And then we have another guy that that works with us on the race side as well and his daughter skis for the University of Utah. Pretty good skier. She got a second on Tuesday. Huh. She got a first. Yeah. So She's uh she's she's doing really well. So we've got a lot of expertise in a lot of different areas, and and we're really fortunate to have the staff that we do. So you've said that a lot of your customers are heading west to ski. How about more locally? If if I came out and were to visit you guys and like, where would we go? If I was like, let's go ski somewhere relatively close to here. Where would we be heading off to? It'd be wild mountain or wild village probably would be the better choices. Um, There's also classic Highland Hills, rope toe rails, every edit in the country. That's where (laughs) Highland is where a lot of our parky, our park kids, they kind of roll there. Um, And then if, if you go up, Outside the metro area, and you go up to Duluth, there's Spirit Mountain. And then if you go up uh, up north farther, there's Lutzen. And Lutzen's probably got about, I don't know, 900 vertical. Yeah, same with like, like Granite Peak if you head straight yeah, east Yeah, and if you go Wisconsin. straight east into Wisconsin, there's Granite Peak. So um, there's a, there's a easy access to a lot of ski areas. And then a lot of people do the Bohemia trips, too, from the cities, too. So we have a lot of customers that do that also. And so, you know, one of the things I think when a lot of people think about Minnesota, they think about cross-country skiing. And so would you say, yeah, that sort of holds up as a generalization? Or are you like, no, that's definitely a part of it, but we've got a lot of passionate racers around here. We've got a lot of passionate skiers that, you know, are call it more sort of free ride style, a lot of interest, or would you say it's fair to say that generally cross country does get the most sort of attention from the surrounding community? 
Yeah, cross country gets the most attention, but the, we're also part of Gear West is the biggest cross country ski selection in the world. So huh. we get that customer in here. Yep. We have their kids on race teams, like one of their sons snowboards, whatever. Like we, we just kind of will cater to everybody on this campus to, to an extent. And a lot of the kids now, like some of them are doing both high school racing and cross country, uh, and in downhill just to be on the high school teams. Man, that's really cool. Actually combining just, <laughs> it's really fun, right? I think that this, this is perhaps more of a trend than ever where I just see these different disciplines or lines just blurring more and more and more. And it sounds like that's, um, that's consistent with what you guys are kind of seeing. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, our, our, uh, our, our campus is basically set up, Jonathan, where we have one store where we service our Alpine and snowboard snowboard customers. And then the other store is Nordic skiing, running, and on the other side of that is bikes, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, full hardcore bike shop, uh, largest Nordic retailer probably in the country. In the world, I in think. In the world, I think, wow. between between what we do online, right, and all of our in-store stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you have what we're doing over in the Alpine side of things. And it's it's been uh, it's been a crazy year, man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Say more. Yeah. Say more about yeah. the crazy year. <laughs> well, it's, it's just been, you know, the COVID thing has kind of changed the dynamics a little bit of, uh, how people are shopping. And if you look at the last couple of years and you look at our business model, it was a lot of stuff got done in the evening and a lot of stuff got done on the weekends, which is pretty typical retail. Mm -hmm. And now what's happening is everybody's working from home. Kids, kids are at home doing all their stuff. And so now we're busy from 10 in the morning until eight at night every day during the week. So I have my, my I have boot fit appointments that are out two weeks right now. And some of the other guys are out a week. So that that whole flow of business has changed a little bit. Totally different than last year and the year before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just up, up, up. Everybody wants to get outside. Everybody wants to be out, yep. I mean, in some ways, hearing you say this, I'm like, well, wait. Do you maybe in some ways prefer this in the sense of the it's dead or not dead, but it's, you know, lower traffic Monday through Friday and then you just get hammered on weekends. It's sort of it sounds like things are more spaced out more evenly. Is is that right? Or oh, it's it for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure it is. You know, so with, you know, wearing masks in the store and and our store, our Alpine store, snowboard store is not that big. So when we do appointments only and we can kind of control the flow of clients, uh, in the store we have three large boot fitting areas where we do our custom footbeds, um, and they're separated far enough apart where we can kind of control that distance and we can control the flow. Yeah, it's actually worked out really well for us. Mm -hmm. This has been a consistent thing. We've literally heard from every one of these shop talk episodes that we've done 
that boot fitters in particular are just actually really enjoying this boot fitting by appointment. And we have not had one, literally, we have not had one shot be like, we're not really into this. We wish we could kind of go back to just having walk-in customers to do boot fitting appointments. And I mean, I guess I do still, you guys are yet another example of this. And so I don't know, do you think if and when the whole COVID situation say, just let's say it goes, dies down completely. Do you think we see this is a new trend where many shops might go to like a hundred percent boot fitting appointments? Or do you think that that will just kind of lax because you'll get the random phone call or the walk-in customer who just sort of wants it right now? What's your prediction? I, I think I think it's going to kind of hold the same, don't you? Yeah, yeah. we're going to do appointments. Yeah, we're going to do appointments. I mean, a, an appointment for us, Jonathan, is 60 to 90 minutes. Yep. And in order to do a proper boot fit, it takes that long. And if we're doing any heat molding or we're doing any 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 posting or any special work on the insoles that we're doing, it may take longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but customers, I think, really see the value of that one-on-one experience with a really good boot fitter, and they like it a lot. And what we find is the boot fit part of it, the expertise that's landed in the, in the boot fit, more times than not, you're talking about a DPS ski or a, a, a movement or a moment, right, yeah. and a binding. So once I think our clients understand what we're doing with boots, then they're like, okay, these guys are legit, mm-hmm. right? Let's talk to them about skis and bindings and, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. So it just lends to, you know, all the way down the line, even to our phantom sales are just yeah. out of sight right now, out of sight. If COVID never happened, would you guys have ended up going to these appointment style sessions anyway? We already we already up. we already did last year yeah. a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and we did it like I said because you, you need an hour to an hour and a half to do a good boot fit. By the time you assess when you assess the foot, what it's doing. You know, look at the overall volume, look at the ankle volume, look all that kind of stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Then you start to pick out last the boots and then you start pulling two or three boots out and you figure out where where you're going to end up on that particular boot. And then you start talking about building footbeds. So it's, it's a long process to do it right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes with walk-ins, we'll get we'll just kind of take the person, at least find a boot for them you know, start the process and then get them down for an appointment. It's like once we can key in with them, even on those situations, we can get them out pretty quick and just have them come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got some boot fitters in here that they don't have necessarily some of the expertise, but we have a couple of gals that are really good. So they can fit a boot and then they can say, we're going to put you in the book for an appointment to see one of the guys and they'll build you a footbed. They'll do the final fit and then you can talk skis. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's ways to move them through. You've mentioned a couple times your campus. I think this is something that we should say a bit more about because not many shops talk about their campus. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool little setup. Uh, kind of has an awesome garden in the courtyard. 
uh, one of the owners, uh, Brian, he builds these great gardens, like mossy, fancy, like lush, uh, super cool. And then we have a little bit of mountain bike track that we're working on, trying to build something in there too, just for mm-hmm. around the store to test bikes. Mm-hmm. Um, I skateboard all around between all the buildings, which is really fun. Um, yeah. yeah. So I cruise around and that's kind of a fun way to get outside in the middle of the day in the summer and fall. Um, but yeah, like the, the campus is great. Um, you know, and there's a lot of different options we could still do. We have thoughts for using it more in the future too. Yeah. Yeah. I did. So the, in the, in the, in the uh, blister review, that's a picture of the Alpine shop, right? So we put solar panels on that building and then the Nordic store, bike store slash running is probably square footage. It's probably three times larger mm-hmm. than, than our Alpine store is. And so that building also got solar on it last year. So, I mean, this part of it is sustainability. Part of it is, is the environment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you drive in here, you don't think you're in the Midwest. You think you're in Park City. Yeah. Right. It all sounds terrible. I know. No, you wouldn't like it. No, it's no fun. <laughs> um, you know, hey, hey, but, hey, dude, I know you got some Midwest roots there. I do. Right? I do. So, I know you're yeah. making me. You're making me all nostalgic. And uh, I and, <laughs> and is it is it right that Minnesota was just as a as a state? And, and feel free to correct me on this. Um, maybe it's not true to say as a statewide generalization, but I think of Minnesota as being a pretty progressive place in terms of building out bike trails and bike paths and the like Mm -hmm. is that fair yeah for sure yeah absolutely for sure you know what's really cool is we've always had a really awesome bike infrastructure but now we're seeing places like Cuyuna up in northern Minnesota and Tioga which is up in Grand Rapids Mm -hmm. and the mountain bike trails in this state are awesome you know they're really doing a great job with them so Jeff is is he's kind of our mountain bike expert, and he also coaches uh, the mountain bike team with my son. Yeah. So they're on all these trails all over the state, yeah. and it's pretty impressive to see what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Man, that has been such a cool development just to see. It seems like more and more communities are are building up kind of the mountain biking and, tr- and trail infrastructure. And uh, I mean, man, what a, what a cool thing. You don't have to go back. I mean, even so different, it feels like from five years ago, 10 years ago. I think about like when growing up, we, I wish I would have had something like that. You right. Know, a small town, Iowa, where I grew up, it was football, basketball, wrestling, track, you know, nothing else. Like, Same, Jeff. This stuff is awesome. Yeah, exactly my experience. I headed west to to find some of these sports, and I think now that some of these sports and the infrastructure is moving back, you know, to more urban areas, I think is just a phenomenal development. We were born too early, Jeff. I know. <laughs> exactly. You know, I thought you can live it. Yeah. No, I was born too early, not you guys. No, Jesus. Mark, you, we, needed so, you, I mean, we needed you to be kind of pioneering all of this, Mark. So we're not going to yeah. let you, we're not going to let you, like, I don't know, get in some weird time machine, you know, and fast forward. We needed okay. you to, you got to, okay. you got to keep your own path. But, but Jeff and I might try to find yeah. some weird quantum physics yeah, you, workaround. 
I mean, I used to do Iowa backcountry. You guys are going to be all the fun, time. You know, this is the first time I've ever heard the phrase Iowa backcountry, and I need to hear more. Oh, it's just I was in grew up in Northeast Iowa, and the, yeah, the bluffs of the Mississippi. So you know, we'd find places to hike up around outside of town, farmers' lands, or sometimes farmers we knew or didn't know. Just hike up and you'd shred after pow days. It was so fun. Dropping cliffs in Iowa. Dropping cliffs in Iowa. Okay, you're no no you're no longer allowed to get in my time machine, Jeff, because I we don't want to erase that history. Yeah. You don't have any pictures of that, do you? I might. Oh yeah. That'd be amazing. Is it <laughs> still cliffs? Are people yeah. still getting out there, Jeff? Uh I think so. Like I, I don't know about from where I grew up. There's not there's not many kids that snowboarded, but uh, you know there's some of these old defunct ski hills. You'll see tracks down all those. Like I used to do that too. Yeah, Mount Frontenac was one that you just go and hike. And we've even talked about you know trying to do skin classes or something up with up Mount Frontenac. Mark, I want to take us back to boot fitting. We've we've talked about this a bit. We've talked about the appointment style. I mean. You've been doing this a long time. You have a lot of expertise in this. I think anytime I get to talk to somebody with a lot of experience in boot fitting, I sort of just like to say, talk to me a little bit about boot fitting and kind of give them the floor. But um, if I'm going to lead the conversation at all, I guess I'm just curious what you think about some of the trends these days um, in terms of the boots themselves or anything you like or dislike about what's happening right now versus, say, I don't know, 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago? Sure. I'll guarantee you the boots are a hell of a lot better than they were 30 years ago. I think the the, the biggest thing I've seen, you know, 20, 20 years ago, we never really had boot lasts, right? It was like, here's your boot, put it on. If it fits you, great. If it doesn't, we'll find something else. But now when you look at, you know, Nordica, Atomic, right, Solomon, now we can start pulling out last the boots to match the foot type and also flex of boots to match the skier type and the body weight type. And we didn't have that a long time ago. So it's, 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 there's more options for customers than ever, but it's really on the boot fitter to be able to just look at a foot, analyze the foot, and be able to go in the back and pull that specific boot, maybe one boot or two boots that you know are going to fit that client, and then work the process from there. We started working with, there was an investor that lives in Wayzata, he is part of that group that bought movement skis and Dahoo boots into the into the market. So we bought some Dahoo's in last year, probably sold six, eight pair of them, bought some more in, probably sold 20, 25 pair of them this year, along with some of the movement skis. It's been interesting because that's kind of a boot where if you have a client that has ankle issues, if you have a client that doesn't have a lot of mobility in that ankle joint where they really can't even get into a four buckle boot where you actually can walk around in the inner boot and then just put, and just put the shell on and scan it. Okay, well, we've talked about cross-country skiing. We've talked a bit about ski racing. We've talked about how a number of your 
customers like to head west to ski. We've also talked about the Iowa backcountry, which actually might be my favorite part of this entire conversation so far. Amazing. Uh, I think we need to like get a blister trip organized and we just go ski the Iowa backcountry. I'm wheels are spinning now, but anyway, um, but I'd love to hear Jeff, I'd love to hear you talk a bit more about just the snowboarding side of what you guys are doing and how that's grown or, or evolved. Tell us about that. We have a ton of boards for kids getting started. Like that was one thing I noticed, uh, even in working out West a little bit is nobody had like that super epic, like, uh, for like those six to let's say 13 year old kids. So I'm just like, everybody makes a decent board. So I just have a really good selection, three or four different graphics, like different levels in those boards. Cause a lot of the tweener boards now are so good. Um, they hold up so much better, especially for hard park riding for kids. So that's been a really big growing place for us has been that age group. Like I feel like some of the kids that were going back to freestyle skiing, that's not happening as much anymore like it was for a short time there. Um, but, uh, it, you know, it's also interesting because we do, I do carry a fair amount of powder boards and I always have like a few and I tell certain customers, there's guys that just come in all the time. Um, you know, they'll come in and I'll let them take a powder board out West or whatnot. Uh, when they're going on a special trip, we had a guy just go to, um, Tahoe. He took one of our mosses out west. So we kind of have a really, really unique selection as far as that goes from kind of like your little kid, uh, park rat, up to dad boards, lots of dad boards, um, and powder boards for dad boards or for kids. <laughs> Do you want to define dad boards for someone who might be wondering what a dad board is? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's for that, that dude that... Uh, snowboarded uh maybe when he was 15 16 17 18 like and now he's like late 30s 40s with two kids he's like i used to snowboard <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he comes in and you get him stuff and he snowboards with his kids yeah and, he snowboards with his kids and a lot of like it's been crazy like a lot of those dudes like you know like that guy was like chasing storms now with his son you know mm. which is really cool that's yeah. really cool yeah, yeah. For people who used to snowboard, now have kids, are getting back into snowboarding, and now are snowboarding with their kids. That is the dad board. So I want to ask you guys next about the mountain bike side, or just like the bike side in general uh, of Gear West. Talk a little bit about when did you first start getting into bikes at the shop, and how has that evolved? So Gear West has had a bike shop for a really long time, except they were really uh, involved in the tri community, like the leader of the tri athlete community here. So that's kind of what the shop was originally based on was really triathletes. Um, and so they always had like a bunch of uh, tri bikes on the wall and stuff like that. Um, so completely opposite of where biking has gone and everything like that. Um, and kind of um, the owner, Jan had originally owned it and then, had sold the bike side of things to another gentleman and then uh, kind of took it back over again. And, you know, we kind of have refocused and myself and a bunch of other guys here uh, have really kind of helped refocus in the stuff that we all love too, like mountain biking, gravel biking, cyclocross, um, even road riding. And 
again, like there's still that tri community here, so they still do, uh, you know, certain rides with tri guys and stuff like that, except, um, a lot of those guys are also doing, you know, fat biking in the winter. Mm-hmm. Um, most of them have mountain biking. Like one of the guys was a big tri guy, uh, 15 years ago and he coaches with me on the mountain bike team. Hmm. I have no, I have no, uh, I don't know anything about shaving my legs. I mean, I did road ride for a while, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. wasn't in the tri community. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I think the interesting thing is like how we talked about the mountain biking and if I would have had that growing up, like I went mountain biking, like d- down some little forest roads all the time growing up and would blow tires, but didn't know what mountain biking really was. And now it's so fun getting out with kids hitting flow trails and, stuff like that and just seeing where you know you have a kid that is has super amazing lungs that you know would have done great in cross-country uh biking but just has the bike handling skills like i love watching that and working with those kids and just going out and shredding with them and how would you chop up the different categories of bikes like are you guys these days selling uh you're selling more mountain bikes than gravel bikes or vice versa, or what does the kind of pie chart look like for, for you guys in your area? I think like at our store, it's more gravel. Uh, and you know, like in the last couple of years, like really just selling general bikes to people that just want to go ride the trails around here that never have, you know, you know, good flat bar cruisers uh that has grown a ton around here which is great because those people are people that will come in and ask about a mountain bike in a couple years if they really get into riding trail or come in and ask about hey what's gravel biking about Mm -hmm. um we do like a our shop does a gravel ride in in late uh fall to uh like a a 100k gravel ride that we do around the gravels all throughout the area which is really fun yeah the whole bike commuting thing is phenomenal and I'm so pro anything that's encouraging people to to do that and be on any kind of a bike and pedaling seems like a very, very positive trend. Well, I think the other thing that makes us unique is we're, we, you know, we're taking that footbed technology that we used at Alpine, Jonathan, and now we're doing a lot of footbeds for bike shoes. And we kind of look at bike shoes kind of the way we'd look at a ski boot, right? So what is the price point of the shoe? What's the volume of a shoe? Because we're starting to notice more and more bike manufacturers, at least with their shoes, are starting to come out with different class now, right? So we can accommodate different types of feet. And then with that, we can put a custom footbed in that bike shoe and Jeff's got me moving those cleats all the way back so they kind of sit back behind the met head on the foot so that transfer of power to the pedal is a little more balanced. And it keeps your saddle level the right height. Too. And it keeps your saddle level the right height too. So that's some of the really cool things that we're doing that, that kind of keep the cobbler shop, as we call it, busy in the summertime mm-hmm. doing bike insoles. Mm-hmm. Well, gentlemen, you guys have a lot going on. Always. Yep. Between being the largest, potentially the largest cross-country ski shop in the country, possibly the world, to the snowboard stuff, the alpine stuff, the bike stuff, um, I don't know how you've had this much time to sit here and talk to me. 
I got. I'm working on orders right now too. <laughs> yeah. for next season. That's the toughest yeah. thing I've ever had to yeah, do. Yeah, I know. Orders without the trade show. Like, yeah, they honestly, all. The trade show helps a lot. Yeah, they want. They I all want their stuff. Yeah. Huh. So. Yeah. Well, guys, I want to let you get back to it. It's really fun learning more about all the things that you guys are up to. And Mark, I, I know we talked about it. I still would love to get out there. We'll just have to stay in touch and, and figure out the best time to, to do that. But it would really be a good time. And, and uh, let's make it happen. Yeah, I'll for sure do well. And you know, I, you know I, yeah, I talked to the guys here too. And it's kind of like, we'd love to come out and make a few turns with you guys out of mm. Crested Butte too, if we can get a chance. Absolutely. And you know, see what you guys are doing out there. That'd be awesome. Absolutely. Well, open invitation. Awesome. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, thank you guys, and we'll talk to you soon. You got it, buddy. Ciao. Okay, well, it's time now for our What We're Celebrating This Week segment, and I am currently recording this at 2.22 a.m. Thursday morning, which means that we are now like 16 hours away from launching the very first ever Blister Summit. We are really excited about this. We have some absolutely killer panel conversations lined up throughout the summit. And right now, I am really, really grateful for all of the encouraging words from so many of you saying that you hope that this is a great event. Seriously, the outpouring of support from you all is just another sign of what a fantastic community of people that we have developed here at Blister and so, right now, I am raising my glass to all of you who understand and support our vision for this Blister Summit thing and who are there cheering us on. So, yep, I am now raising my glass of Whistlepig 12-year-old rye to you. And next year, when we will hopefully be past a whole bunch of travel restrictions and changing quarantine rules and the like. I can't wait to see a whole lot more of you at the Blister Summit next year. But for now, thank you sincerely for all of your support and encouraging words and cheers to you. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Mark and Jeff for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. From all of us here in Gunnison and Crested Butte, Colorado, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we will talk to you again real soon.